Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us over at pathtozion.com or of course on Facebook and YouTube and all the other usual places. You can reach out to us at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. Now we are talking about something today I'm very excited about. I've been looking into this for a couple months and I've finally got it in my hands in the, in the most finished form I'm going to be able to come to um, right now. Um, and, and I will say that this is a topic that is, is dear to my heart because the, the light of revelation came to me towards this only, only four years ago, roughly. Um, and it continues to expand my understanding as I study the word and I study Hebrew words. Um, and it's a large topic that I feel like if we can just understand rightly, according to the word could literally change your understanding, my understanding. All of us have had an inherited belief system that is hinged upon our topic today. Um, and so what we're going to talk about, as you see in the title, I'm sure you've already seen, what it means to keep Yahweh's Torah, Shamer. Okay, keep. We're going to hone in for probably a couple of hours, broken up into parts, towards the proper understanding of the Hebrew word keep, which is shamer. And, and so um, the heart behind this, this study that I did was I long for people that I love, people that I know, people that I don't know yet, that I will meet in the future, for myself, for my family. I, I long for people to know what the word means when we see all of these repetitious scriptural verses now, Old Testament and New, towards keeping Yahweh's commands, His commandments, His ways, His statutes, His laws, His ordinances. Because if we understand, if, if we are postured to understand this shift of understanding um, in our hearts and in our minds, it will literally change our complete perspective towards the what we do now reality. Why are we moved from death to life? Why are we um, positioned to walk out a life of sanctification in the image and the likeness of the Son? How do we do that now? Um, we're going to talk about that according to the word. Now, just a few things. This is going to be broken up instead of part one, part two, part three, part four. This is going to be somewhat compartmentalized, and I'm going to go through the topics that we're going to touch on. Um, right now, we're going to talk about the introduction. And first of all, those who keep are kept. A scriptural um, foundation. The word is clear. Yahweh made it clear through the authors of his set apart word that those who keep are kept okay we're going to talk about that the one after that one that will follow is going to be but yeshua did away with the torah right <laughs> this is inter in intricately um interwoven into the topic but yeshua did jesus jesus eradicated the torah right um, some things that we say in ignorance when we talk about the Torah. When we say something in ignorance, it is just that. We just don't know. We've never heard. We've never, uh, and if we have heard, 
we've, we've not had understanding illuminated towards a proper biblical embracing of the, the purpose of the Torah. And to our point, of course, today, to keeping Yahweh's commands. A deeper dive into some Hebrew words. I enjoyed that one greatly. We will get to that one. We'll start moving towards a conclusion, something I found very fascinating that we'll wrap all of this series up with, which is, was keeping a command a, necessi- uh, a necessary result of sin? Okay? Because, and that is a good segue to get us started, because when we hear today in Christian culture, especially in this age of, whoo boy, freedom in Jesus, free to move in the Spirit, and as, as we address here on the program a lot, many times in this day and age, that is a, a, a scary proposition because there are no boundaries. Um, it doesn't have to align with Scripture. Um, if you feel like the Spirit is telling you something that may even contradict Scripture, it's okay as long as you know the Spirit told you that. And this is dangerous ground, which is why I would suggest that this topic is necessary. And so what it means to keep... Yahweh's Torah, and this word you're going to hear me say repeatedly in this is the Hebrew word shamer. Okay, so let's get started. Webster's English definition of keep, okay, is to hold or retain in one's possession, continue in action or course, preserve. Okay, now an English antonym, okay, the opposite of, of keep in the English. We're talking about the English understanding, the English dictionary of keep, to continue in action or course, preserve, retain in one's possession. The, the antonym of this would be to release in the English. Now, despite how errantly we use the word keep, um, primarily in Christian doctrine, um, in an angry father sense, which we're really going to put some time into, um, these English definitions are surprisingly pretty accurate. The definitions themselves are, I would say, pretty accurate. Pretty close to, surprisingly, the Hebrew understanding of the proper use of keep, um, shamer. Now, this Hebrew word shamer is, is used nearly 500 times in the Older Testament. It is referred directly as keep nearly 300 times out of the 500, okay? So in the translations, shamer itself is is almost 500 times in the Old Testament. 300 of those 500 are specifically keep, okay? Some other primary ways that shamer is used in the Bible is observe, heed, and preserve. In order to properly understand what it means to keep Yahweh's commands, his Torah, it's imperative that we properly understand this word and at least attempt to make sure that we define it well, okay? We have to have a baseline understanding from the beginning, no matter where we fall, <laughs> whether we fall on the we don't have to keep anymore or we have to keep, we need to understand what we're saying if we quote the word as our um, as our go-to uh commentary towards what we're even doing, we, what we're saying we should do or what we're saying we should not do anymore or is not required of us. What are we saying? I, when, okay, I would say, according to the word as a whole, from cover to cover, 
and even books that have been removed from the official canon of the church are, I believe, explicitly clear that we today in Messiah, the grafted in ones who were formerly Gentile, formerly Goyim nation people, who have now, and who were not a people, who have now become a people, made a people by Yahweh, the, the father of the people, I believe, hands down, sure thing, no way you could change my mind right now, that these holy, marked, set-apart, consecrated people that are Yahweh's set-apart family keep his set-apart, consecrated, kadosh, holy ways that have been spelled out to us. <laughs> um, the, same, the same way that they were to Noah and to Abraham, to Moses, to the nation itself of Israel. Um, Yeshua taught these things. Um, his disciples, the apostles, the New Testament writers, the apocryphal writings, the extra-biblical writings point to, as a whole, an embracing of what? There is a, an, there is an gar, there is a guarding there is a preserving. There is a, a treasuring of Father's ways for his people. Okay? That is the, the main crux of properly understanding keep in the Hebrew of Shamer. It is a treasure to be able to keep our Father's ways and his commands. Okay? We have to understand this. And I believe that if we can do this, we can undo the bad connotations that come with our inherited understanding of keeping Yahweh's commands. Our Creator's way to live for His creation, His ways are good and right. We have, I have literally a hundred verses within this. My wife, who adds the verses at the bottom here, is going to have quite a lot of work between right now and when you see these videos. Because time and time again, like we see throughout the Word, the Torah of Yahweh Elohim is perfect, friend. How many things can you put a stamp upon and say, this is perfect? If we have been told by Yahweh himself, the author of it, that his commands, his Torah is perfect, why in the world would we want to look anywhere else to define how we live? Why would we want to live free from a law code that the creator of the creation says is perfect for them to live according to. And on, on, it's not just perfect. It revives my soul. <laughs> it produces life and vibrance and purpose, which begins to line up with all the other Bible verses that we all know. Life what? Yeshua came to give you not just life, but life abundantly. How do we do that? We believe, many of us, thousands, millions on the earth right now believe it is through keeping, guarding, preserving, and not letting go of Yahweh's commands. Okay? Paul knew this. He knew that the ways of Yahweh, his Torah, were wonderful, full of light. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. All scripture is inspired by Elohim. And it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for restoration, and for training in righteousness. Now, friend, I'm just saying, this was not talking about Acts chapter 2, okay? 
This was not talking about that. The whole purpose of these letters were to point people back to the capital S scriptures, the Torah and the prophets, which were and are the only capital S scriptures that ever existed. <laughs> and it would be good for us to just make sure we have solidified that in our understanding as we inherit a doctrine that says the Old Testament Torah and the prophets is they are archaic and all past tense, and for some other distant ancient people that I have no connection with, really. But all Scripture is inspired by Elohim, okay? And not just that, it's useful for what? For teaching. Is it useful for teaching today? Is the Torah, okay, is, okay, all Scripture, the Torah and the prophets, are the Torah and the prophets still inspired by Elohim. Oh, yes. Amen. Are they still useful for teaching? We would say yes. For reproof, you know, correction, for restoration, and for training according to what? In righteousness. Okay? So let's just simplify and allow the word to speak for itself. The Torah and the prophets produce righteousness according to their teaching, according to their reproof and correction and restoration. Why? <laughs> because they, Torah and the prophets, are inspired by Elohim. <laughs> so up until the 3rd or 4th century, post-Yeshua, it was well understood that the Torah and the prophets were the way to personally know Yahweh's character and become his people. It was the way. Okay, I had a conversation with a brother the other day, and we did not agree on on these types of doctrinal principles, and that's fine. It's, I'm saying that to set the table so you understand. But I was presenting the fact that basically the question was, well, we don't know what to do with these people who are finding God, finding Jesus. We talked about discipleship. What is discipleship? What is unity? What is being the family of God? And to me, all of it flows here. It all flows here. And so I suggested for consideration, well, let's look at the post-Yeshua early church, the, the, the assembly of called out believers on the other side of, of Yeshua's ascension. And the Jerusalem council is being posed that exact same question. What in the world do we do with these men who are coming into the faith? They are wanting to leave behind the ways of the nations and come into the ways of Yahweh through Yeshua Messiah and his example, what do we do? Well, the ones who were in charge of making wise decisions according to the counsel of Holy Spirit, which agreed with the Torah and the prophets, because that's what we see in 2 Timothy that we just read, they knew that the Torah is inspired by Elohim, useful for teaching, training people in righteousness, so take them there. And the things that were listed are considered, if many of you already know this, they were considered the heart of, the center, the bullseye of the Torah. So, we people, many people love going back to pieces and parts of the early church, and we need to do what they did, and we need to do this. Well, if we're going to do that, let's look at the Jerusalem Council's council, which was what? Take them to the heart of the Torah and send them to the synagogues where what? Well, they will, they will hear regularly the law and the prophets, because it is 
useful for their teaching, and it will produce righteousness in them. <laughs> As they walk like Yeshua, who in that case had just kind of left the building not long before that. Okay? So let's move into those who keep are kept. All right? I have no idea how long this is going to be in pieces, so let's be patient. As we talk about what it means to keep Yahweh's Torah, Shamer. Those who keep are kept. This is very profound. Um, when I found this scriptural pattern and worded it like that. Um, for most people, the mentioning of keeping Yahweh's Torah incites negativity. Okay? In, in our, just, it's the way we were brought up. It's just like anything else. You just don't question that because it was ingrained in you when you were a child. And until um, something happens that moves you into a revelation of being able to consider that maybe that's not right, um, we, we just, it, it incites negativity, the Torah. It incites burdensome, bondage, all these words. Um, and it's, be, it's been presented to most, most of us as the antithesis of grace, that you have to choose. We, of course, have been told that we have to choose between grace or law. Okay? I've been told in gatherings myself personally, where this has come up, and I could almost quote them, good luck keeping all of those burdensome commands. Um, under Torah. If you want to be under the law, then go ahead, brother. Good luck with that. The rest of us are going to walk in liberty and freedom in Jesus. Um, one time specifically, the phrase was said with a, a little sarcastic chuckle. <laughs> Good luck keeping those commands, brother. Most of the people there in the room, is a full room of people, they, they laughed along, and it was it was oddly enjoyable to... Uh, belittle Yahweh's Torah, His commands. It's it's very strange for me to be in those settings now, but it, it, it teaches me something. teaches me humility, for starters. I was told there what I've been told many other times in my life over the last four or five years, that Torah and grace cannot cohabitate. They cannot be in the same um, circle of belief. One must choose. This is bad doctrine, friends, according to the Word. The, the thing is, we just don't know the word. And I just wish people would, would, would own up to that and say, you know, maybe I just don't know the Bible. Because everything I do know seems to say that grace and Torah cannot coexist. But maybe I just don't, maybe I'm just ignorant. Help me to learn. Well, that's always the case because we've only been told one side. We've only been presented one, you know, Catholic Church doctrine of belief that's that's divorced from the understanding of, of the ancient Hebrew culture and even the very word meetings themselves, which is why we're, we're honing in on the word keep, shamer, specifically. To be clear, my confidence in this series specifically is to dispel common misunderstandings of what it means biblically now, not our opinions, to keep the Torah. I'm fully convinced that if people would be willing to rightly approach the subject according to the Bible, they would arrive at a different conclusion of what the Torah of Elohim's purpose is today, um, as opposed to what we've been told. So what we're going to talk about for the next little bit is I've got several pages of, of scriptures, and we're just going to read them. I'm not going to take all the time to really elaborate upon them too much, I don't think, um, because we have... I have at least 
two hours of just recording um, content here. Let's start with um, just some scriptures. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Only be very strong and resolute to observe diligently the Torah. Okay? Observe diligently here, just so I make sure you're following along, is Shamer. Okay? Observe diligently the Torah which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So this is Yahweh speaking, the creator, the author of the perfect Torah. He's saying, be resolute to observe diligently, Shamer, the Torah which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the Torah should not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will be successful. Have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified or dismayed, for Yahweh your Elohim is with you wherever you go. Now we've heard that last verse a lot. You'll see that on a t-shirt. I remember hearing that my whole life. Be strong and courageous. I've heard songs about it. But we, we have to remember what preceded this, because what are we talking about? Those who keep are kept. That's the section we're, we're honing in on right now. And so that's why we're reading these scriptures. Now, people who have been given eyes to see the, the wonderful joy of keeping Father's Torah know, of course, of Psalm chapter 119. The entire 176 verses of this incredible text is overflowing with clarity towards how a righteous man after Yahweh's own heart views his Torah. Example, Psalm 119, 41 through 48. May your favor also come to me, Yahweh, your salvation, your Yeshua, according to your word, so that I will have an answer for one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for your judgments. So I will keep your Torah continually, forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty. Oh, well, there's a problem right now. I thought, again, I thought the law of liberty was separate. I thought that's the, that's the grace principle that you can only have if you're not under law. Well, apparently David was, was real confused or he was telling us something for our good to realize that maybe we would inherit a doctrine that says the Torah cannot provide liberty. But he says he waits for Father's judgments. He will keep, Shamer, your Torah continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, freedom, <laughs> For I seek your precepts, verse 46, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. I will delight in your commandments, which I love, and I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. We could read all of Psalm 119. Let's read some more. 70 through 72, it continues to state what is throughout the entire chapter. I delight in your Torah. It is good for me that I was afflicted so that I may learn your statutes. The Torah of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Now that goes to the point of putting into our thinking, Shamer, properly understood, is what David just described. It is an invaluable treasure. It is better than gold and silver. It is to be 
you know, we know the parable in the Newer Testament of when you find this treasure, sell all you have to go and buy the land and, and make it your own possession and value it and, and keep it and guard it and protect it. Why? Because within it is every possible purpose for mankind. Psalm chapter 91. Now it receives a lot of attention and most of us are quite familiar with it. Um, it begins by saying this, he who dwells in the shelter or the shadow of the Most High will abide in the shadow or shelter of the Almighty. If we keep reading, verses 9 through 16 say this. Again, we've heard that first part, okay, because we're talking about this principle of when you, I will. is what This is a covenant now. We have a covenant father, a covenant Messiah. We have covenant parameters to live within. And blessings and curses, depending on where we fall towards Yahweh's commandments, will, will by nature come to those based upon how we respond to these commands. Okay? So we know that first part, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow or shelter of the Almighty. But if we keep reading, verse 9, For you have made Yahweh my refuge. The Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will happen to you, nor will any plague come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. On their hands they will lift you up, so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will walk upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the lion and the serpent. Why? Because he has loved me. I will save him. I will set him securely on high. Because he has known my name, he will call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him and satisfy him with a long life and show him my Yeshua, my salvation. Now, these texts are full of the when they, I will examples from Yahweh. And again, I would suggest that one who keeps his ways are kept by his ways. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. We have to move quick. Yahweh is promising that he will show favor to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. We're jumping off of this love. What does love look like? Because plenty of people today would say they love the Lord. He loves the Lord. She loves the Lord. We love the Lord. Okay, a scriptural understanding. Older Testament into the Newer Testament. Love is proven. Love is shown through Obedience. Obedience to what? Well, this is where this gets complicated for some, but I believe it's very, very simple. So again, Exodus 20, verse 6, Yahweh will show favor to thousands, to those who love me and keep, shamer, my commandments. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 2 through 4. You shall keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. Same principle, Guard, preserve, treasure my Sabbath and revere my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. If, if, <laughs> I'm trying to make a point, if you, keep, if you walk in my statutes and if you keep Shamer, my commandments, so as to carry them out, okay, so here's criteria. If you do number one, if you walk in my statutes and keep, guard, preserve my commandments and carry them out, then I shall give you rains in their season, so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear 
their fruit. Now, I'm just asking, is any of this, if, is any of this still relevant to us? Well, that's Leviticus. Okay, but why do we do that? Other than, well, okay, where's that verse at? Leviticus. Oh, no, not, not for me. A lot of these things are echoed in the Newer Testament, and this throws curveballs for many believers. You can read, I've done this before. <laughs> I'll read something out of James or Titus or something like that, and I'll say, what do you, oh, that's not for me. That's not applicable. They're talking about um, Israel. And I'll say, brother, I'm sorry, but that's the book of James. Oh. Oh, uh, well, I got to go, you know? I mean, <laughs> That, I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's how this often goes. Leviticus. Oh, Le, sure thing. If that's in Leviticus, that's not for me. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter five, verse twenty-nine. If only they had such a heart in them to fear me and to keep all my commandments always, so that it will go well with them and with their sons forever. Okay, guard, keep, shamer the commandments always, so that it would go well with them. And, and, and well with their sons forever. Okay, this is generational. Yahweh's people are a generational people. <laughs> there's, there's no, you know, Yeshua didn't come to be the father of anybody. He didn't come to father a nation. I never really worded it just like that specifically, but Yeshua didn't come to father a nation. Like Yahweh of the, of the Bible is always talking about being a father, okay? And then we're given a literal father in the natural man who was Abram, moved to Abraham and became the father of the nations that Yahweh created a set-apart people through. Okay? Let's see. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 9. If, here's more prerequisite talk, if you return to me and keep my commandments, and do them. Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there, and I will bring them to the place where I have chosen to have my name dwell. Proverbs 7.2, keep my commandments and live in my teaching as the apple of your eye. Okay, here we are again. I have to do this. Does Proverbs chapter 7 verse 2 still matter? Is it still applicable for Yahweh's people? And you cannot say, I'm randomly choosing this. I don't know what it says. You can't say Proverbs 7, 8 is applicable to people in Jesus, Christians, but Proverbs 7, 2 is not. Christians love quoting Psalms and Proverbs, but according to like applicable um, commandments, well, no, that's not for us. And that's what I'm trying to unearth and just kind of, can we peel back and just look at this and see how our own doctrine and understanding just doesn't really make sense. So Proverbs 7, 2, as we just read, keep Shamer, my commandments, and you'll, and you'll live. <laughs> keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Okay, like we know what apple of your eye is. I don't have to explain that. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. I prayed to Yahweh, my Elohim, and I confessed and said, O Yahweh, the great and awesome Elohim, who keeps his covenant and faithfulness for those who love him and keep his commands. That right there is the heavy hitter verse. There are others to bring this part to a conclusion. As we talk about Shamer, keep, guard, preserve, cherish, value, treasure, as we begin to knock on the door, and look in. 
through a new lens of consideration what it means to keep Yahweh's Torah. Because as I have just barely begun to talk about, I believe scripturally those who keep are kept. As we see, speaking to Daniel, uh, chapter 9, verse 4, where he's, he's praying to Yahweh and he, he says this, O Yahweh, the great and awesome Elohim, who keeps his covenant and faithfulness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Okay? Yahweh will do his part, friend. There is no wondering about that. He is a covenant keeper. We're the only problem. What, what was the problem? What was the lesser, weaker part of the old covenant? Us. <laughs> Me. You. Generation after generation of rebellious people said, I don't need a law. I don't need a law. Do we need to go back to the Garden of Eden? We don't need a law code. I don't need told what I can eat and what I can't. I can be my own Elohim. We're going to get to the man of lawlessness here in this study that is increasing at the end of the age. We have to talk about that as well. An absolute conclusion for this part. If, if one who knows the biblical accounts at all okay, would stop and think about it, you will see a clear theme emerge from start to finish. When you, Yahweh will. When I keep, Yahweh will keep. Okay? He keeps when I keep. He preserves, guards, treasures me, values me, puts a, a protection around me. When I do the same for his ways, for his commands, because as I've been saying for the last several years, Yahweh's Torah reveals Yahweh's character. And when we start picking away commands that he gave to know him and to walk pleasing in his sight, we're picking apart compartments of who he is and how he um, demonstrates his, himself towards men. This is covenant, friend. This is covenant language. When you're keeping, you will be kept. The Bible is full of endless examples of how Yahweh preserves and keeps those who guard and keep his ways. His commands, his ordinances, his statutes. Quick, Passover. David and Goliath. Daniel in the lion's den. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the fiery furnace. The list is immense. It's lengthy. We could take another 20 minutes to just rifle off some, some biblical examples of men or people who were kept and preserved when they kept and preserved Yahweh's absolute ways. Okay? And they were unmovable. They kept their part of the covenant expectation. So again, please consider the clear biblical pattern that we've begun to uh, touch on here, that those who keep and guard and preserve Yahweh's wonderful Torah, His ways, are kept, guarded, and preserved. As we talk about what? What it means to keep Yahweh's Torah. Shamer. Again, next up, what we're going to talk about. Yeshua did away with the Torah, right? Right? Tell me yes. Well, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to let the Word tell us and teach us, because it is still good um, for teaching, reproof, correction, instruction, and it will lead us to righteousness, friend. So thank you so much for watching. This is the Path to Zion podcast. Um, we'll be back for more right after this.